the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Well, Friday, Friday, Friday in New York City. Arthur Idala here from AM 970, The Answer. And um, it's been a, a good week um, for me personally, only because I've been working, 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 working. Um, and that's kind of what keeps me going. Um, obviously, there are heartbreaks for what's going on in Ukraine and all around that area because people all around that area are getting affected. Of course, not the way uh, the people in Ukraine are. Obviously, that nuclear scare and now it's in Russian hands is, is terrifying. Um, but it's Friday. It's late. You're on your way home or you're making dinner. So I'll leave the Ukraine heartache for others to tackle. I am going to focus on some good news because that's what I kind of said I wanted to do from the the get-go of this show. And on a personal level, which I guess this is always a personal level since it's me at the microphone, um, I got to hang out the other night uh, with Geraldo Rivera. Just the Geraldo myself and my son Luca. And I. for those of you who only know the television version of Geraldo Rivera uh, and aren't as fortunate as I am to know the personal side of Geraldo Rivera. Um, He is a treasure. He is an American treasure, but he's specifically a New York treasure. And he's done very well financially in his lifetime. And, you know, he's, he's, um, he's not a kid anymore. And talking about his legacy and um, how he could help others at this particular point in his life. People know Geraldo from uh, those of people who are old enough from Willowbrook. And for those who aren't old enough, Geraldo uncovered a home for people with disabilities, typically mental disabilities. And he found that those people were being mistreated, but violently, viciously mistreated in Staten Island. And he broke that story in the 1970, 50 years ago. And he has a, a big charity and he raises money for that. And I believe in April, I don't believe I know in April, he's going to have an event to raise money for children with disabilities. Um, and I just, I'm still on a high from, from spending time with him. Every time I'm with him, I learn something new. One of the le- many lessons I learned from him now that I have three children uh, is you're only as happy as your unhappiest child. Geraldo has five. I have three. I don't think I'm going to catch up to him. Um, but... Uh, it's true. And on a Friday evening in the first 
for for me anyway, the first Friday of Lent. So it was sushi for lunch, and I'll have another type of fish or vegetable for dinner because there's no meat. There hasn't been any alcohol yet. We're on a countdown. That's what kind of what we gave up. Gave up a little bit of pasta. You know, the alcohol I give up because like that's better for me. But the pasta I give up because that's a sacrifice to God. And the um, the the bread. The seeded twist at Brooklyn Harvest on 3rd Avenue and 82nd Street in Brooklyn, New York, is one of my my guilty pleasures. And I'm not going to touch that for 40 days um, because, in my opinion, there is something bigger than us out there that, uh, at least for me, is keeping an eye on me. So if I give a little sacrifice in my way of saying thank you, well, if it's a loaf of bread and some, some red wine... The one exception is my father. My father wants me to sit down and have a glass of red wine with him. It's very hard for me to say no to my dad. But sometimes um, I, I will say no because sacrifice is sacrifice. Speaking of sacrifice, um, a big case came down from the – oh, let me just tell you what's coming up. I have the Brooklyn District Attorney coming on. Like, how do I top a show? How do, how do our producers, Sam Bellino and Nick and Joni, top a show with the two gubernatorial candidates um, from yesterday? Well, let's have the Brooklyn DA on. So he's going to be on. He's going to spend a bunch of time with us uh, right after this segment going into the next one. So we're going to have a, a, a big chunk of time to chat with him. But right now, also from the world of brilliance, is someone who I get to call a friend first, and then a law partner second is the His Excellency, as he likes to be called here at the law firm, the Honorable Je- Judge Barry Cammons. Arthur, thank you for that title, but I think being your friend is probably much more important. So this was a case, a very unusual case, where the United States Supreme Court reinstated the death penalty, which is a little bit ironic because the administration currently has a moratorium on the death penalty, so it's not clear when this death penalty will be implemented. But nonetheless, this was a young man, as many of you remember, who had committed this horrible, heinous crime about eight years ago uh, at the time of the Boston Marathon. He detonated two bombs, killing three people, and he wounded hundreds of people. And not only that, he and his brother later, three days later, fled from the police during a chase. And as a matter of fact, he ran over his own brother during the chase. I was on the air with Shep Smith when this when this all happened, when the bomb went uh, off and uh-huh. the, the confusion and nobody knew exactly where it was. It was... And to make it worse, uh, to make it worse, during the chase, he killed an MIT uh, campus police officer and then engaged in a tremendous fight with the police. So this was a horrible, heinous crime. Went to trial and the in the United States District Court in the first uh, district in Boston, and he was sentenced to death. Now, uh, during the penalty phase, which is the point at which the obviously the defendant is fighting to avoid the death penalty, normally it's you introduce mitigating uh, evidence to try to prevent the court from sentencing you to death, and you throw in everything, everything you can about the defendant's fa- about his background and everything you can think of just to stay alive, to prevent the judge from sentencing you to death. The, uh, but the, the judge, re- which, was, which was unusual, rejected the mitigating evidence. And what the defendant tried to introduce was evidence to show that his brother, was, who had been killed during the chase, as I mentioned, was a very controlling individual and someone who had influenced him in the worst kind of way. And that was sort of a mitigating factor the defendant wanted to introduce, so the judge said, no, I'm not allowing it in. And and the defendant also tried to show that the uh, his brother had committed uh, a another crime, a triple homicide, 
<clears throat> the problem was there wasn't that much evidence connecting his brother to that crime, and the judge said, no, I'm not letting that in either. So none of this came in. The jury never heard it, and he was sentenced to death. <clears throat> well, the defendant then appealed to the Court of Appeals in the First Circuit, and that court vacated the death sentence because that court felt that the trial judge should have allowed in the mitigating factors and the mitigating evidence and that the defendant should not have been sentenced to death. So that death sentence. So what happens to his, what, if, if that would have held his sentence, let's say the Supreme Court refused to hear the case and then it stayed at the First Circuit, would, they, would he just then get life without parole? Is that life without parole. He would re remain in prison the rest of his life. But so the death sentence uh, was uh, vacated and he was sentenced to life. Now the case goes to the United States Supreme Court. And what people should know, Judge, is that that's not an automatic that the case goes to the United States. That's Supreme absolutely Court. true. So they chose to hear this. They matter. chose to hear this case. And it was a 6-3 decision. Six judges who were viewed. This was, I guess, split along traditional ideological lines. Justice Thomas wrote the decision for the court. <clears throat> and he was joined in with Justices Roberts, Alito, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh and uh, Barnett. Uh, I'm sorry, Barrett. And that became the six majority view that the death sentence should be reinstated. <clears throat> in the minority was one of the most, one of the foremost opponents of the death penalty, Justice Breyer, along with Justice Kagan and Justice Sotomayor, who are viewed as the liberal wing of the court. So 6-3, they reinstated the death penalty. And, basic, and basically what they said was the trial judge was incorrect um, in, uh, I mean, the trial judge was correct in excluding the evidence uh, and because that evidence could have potentially confused the jury because it brought in another crime, this triple homicide. There wasn't much evidence to connect the brother, <clears throat> and it didn't lack any true what we call probative value, tending to be reliable. So the court, they said, did not abuse its discretion, and it was correct in not allowing that evidence in. This defendant, and Justice Thomas said, this defendant received a fair trial, and he should be put to death. So well. we, we will see. Well, we will see because the death penalty is on the table, but this administration says we're not going to kill anybody. So we'll see how it plays out. Stay tuned, folks. Coming up next, along the same lines of criminal justice, we have Brooklyn District Attorney Eric Gonzalez. And let's talk about my friends at Connors and Sullivan. Planning for your future is important. There's really nothing more important than that for your family. Are you protected? Is your family protected? If you're not around to make decisions, who will? Are your assets protected? That's really what you're looking to protect, right? You're not looking to like have armed guards around your family if you're no longer here. You're talking about the paperwork that would be filed or the accounts that would be put into place or the way you would uh, adjust the deed to certain real property. That would be how you could protect your loved ones if you are no longer here. What you need is a will, possibly a trust, a power of attorney, a healthcare proxy, a living will, and an overall estate plan. So how do you accomplish that? 
you go to Connors and Sullivan. You pick up the phone and you call them. Or today, you're probably better off, or right now, I should say, you're probably better off going on their website, connorsandsullivan.com. You can set up an appointment right from the website because the goal of Connors and Sullivan attorneys are always to protect your rights and your interests and those of your family if you're not here. They've been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 40 years. Visit them, set up a free consultation, no obligations, Connors and Sullivan, 718-238-6500, or visit their website, connorsandsullivan.com, because, as we all know, the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value, like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-27. So anybody who knows me for five minutes knows how proud I am of Brooklyn and my roots in Brooklyn. And and I live on the same block I basically grew up on in Brooklyn. My parents, my sister, the whole crew, my best man. Uh, And... You know, I, uh, I've i watched Brooklyn go from some really bad times. I remember it was the late uh, 80s when I came back from Christmas shopping when I spent more money than I should have. But I said, oh, it's, I'm being generous. And as I'm walking down the block with the two bundles of, of clothing in my hands, which probably cost a whole total of like $175, but at that point was a huge amount of money for me. And I remember my, literally my heart dropped when I saw the glass on the floor of my $400 car uh, because they broke in and they stole like my $29 radio and like wrecked the whole little dashboard that I had. It was an old car. It was a beat up car, but it was my car and it ran. And, and they, you know, f- at that point, that was the biggest victimization that's ever happened to me. And it broke my heart. And I was, I always feel f- comfortable saying that I was a, played a tiny role in the resurgence of not only the city, but especially uh, Brooklyn, New York and my exact neighborhood in Bay Ridge. Uh, as a prosecutor, as an assistant district attorney, when I came into the office the same time as Rudy Giuliani became the mayor, more or less. And um, one of the men who was a young man, who was a little bit behind me in the district attorney's office, who who was in that, who was in the battles and in the foxholes when crime was really crime, uh, was a guy who was always a sweet man. I, I don't know if I'm going to get him in trouble for saying that. Uh, always had a very cool, calm, and collected disposition. Always was very obviously very competent and knew what he did. I, we're going to ask him how he went from a Coney Island high school to an Ivy League school. Um, and uh, he is now, much to my delight, the Brooklyn District Attorney, ladies and gentlemen of the Author Idola Power Hour. Welcome to our airwaves. Probably at this period in time, the most important local guest I can have, the Brooklyn District Attorney himself, Eric Gonzalez. Mr. Gonzalez, Mr. District Attorney, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Arthur. Thank you so much. And Eric, and it's no secret, I, I, I'm always transparent with the guests. Uh, you and I have known each other for quite some time, and uh, we've been buddies, and we've uh, had a couple of beers together and a couple of steaks together, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm going to tell you, as a Brooklynite, what I'm very 
happy to uh, read out loud that in Brooklyn, New York, obviously we can't speak for the city, but in Brooklyn, New York, the uh, District Attorney Gonzalez 2021 year in review has 16% fewer homicides year over year, 20.7 drop in shooting incidents year over year, 23.1% decrease in shooting victims and shooting down in 20 of the 23 Brooklyn precincts. And according to this past weekend's New York Times, the profile they did on you, District, Mr. District Attorney, um, you deserve a lot of the credit for that. So why don't you just start off by telling the ladies and gentlemen of the jury what <laughs> what you did uh, in Brooklyn, different than other places in the city where crime went up in all of those categories. Thank you for the generous introduction. You know, Arthur, as you know, but for your audience, I grew up in the toughest neighborhood in Brooklyn and arguably the toughest neighborhood in New York City in the 80s and 90s, and that was in the 75 precinct in East New York in Brooklyn. And having grown up there, I witnessed a lot of crime on a daily basis. And I had a good understanding as a young person that most of my neighbors were really good people and hardworking, um, but that there was a small handful of people who were really responsible for the the serious crime, the violence, the shootings, um, the things that really scare people. Um, And, you know, I I joined the district attorney's office in 1995. It was my dream job. Uh, Joe Hines was the DA at the time. He offered me a position. And I came into this job with the expectation that um, I would make a difference in helping to keep our community safe. But I also understood another thing as, you know, that someone has to make the decisions in the courtroom. And I really believe that someone who lived in East New York where crime was so rampant should be in a position to do so. Um, so what we've accomplished in Brooklyn in terms of violence reduction since I was the DA uh, from, ni- you know, from 2015 to 2019, right before the pandemic, we saw a, about a 33% reduction in homicides and a 38% reduction um, in shootings is that if we really focus the efforts of the office on the drivers of crime, that 1% of the population is doing upwards of 70% of the serious crime, we could have a dramatic impact on public safety without resorting to mass arrest or the kind of things that have led to distrust in our justice system. So let's talk a little bit um, about who you are. Um, You went to Dewey High School in Coney Island, correct? Yes, Gravesend. Okay, and right, Gravesend. I'm well, close enough, but you're right. Like when people ask me, where's LMB Spumoni Gardens? I'm like, it's between Gravesend and Coney Island. It's right right in the, 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 the zone there that doesn't really have a neighborhood name. And then how and did. I ate, well, and I ate at, 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 at Spumoni Gardens uh, at least twice a week. <laughs> well, you haven't eaten there with me, brother. We'll go there, and you'll have a meal you'll never forget. They're very, very, very good friends of mine. And Eric, how, what, how, you know, how'd the Cornell thing happen? I mean, that's a huge step. <laughs> yeah. You know, Cornell uh, was a real blessing in so many ways. Uh, I wasn't expecting to go to college, to be quite honest. No one in my family had graduated from high school. My family is from Puerto Rico, and so I was really first generation born here. Wow, that's uh, amazing. I did not know that. Yeah, and so I expected to join the military. Most of my um, family members, including, you know, uh, my father and others were, you know, had been military men. 
and I expected to do that. And, you know, fortunately for me, um, there was a person who took a, a, an interest in my life, a, a woman who was running a not-for-profit, and she said, Eric, you should really consider uh, college. And it was really the first time I ever had that conversation. I was already almost a junior in high school. I'm at this point. And well, you didn't, you didn't, Eric, you didn't consider college. You, I mean, you crushed it. When I was applying to colleges, I couldn't even spell Cornell. If I applied right. to Cornell, they would have indicted me for, you know, uh, submitting a, a false document or something like that. So, And then you yeah. went from Cornell, you went to Michigan, correct, for law school? I did. I, I went to Michigan Law School. It was important for me to attend a public institution uh, because I knew I wanted to do this work, and I wanted to attend a law school that had an emphasis on public interest service. Well, you could have gone to the City University of New York, like Arthur Idala and, and Lino Damasi and, you know, some other great lawyers that you know. But, okay, you had to leave this, this state. We'll forgive you. We'll forgive you. Yeah, I wanted to see something outside of East New York and, and Brooklyn. I love Brooklyn, and I live in Brooklyn, and like you, I live on the same, basically on the same block that I grew up on. But I, I wanted to see something outside of New York City because I knew I was going to live here for the rest of my life, and I'm raising my three boys here in Brooklyn. And just to uh, give some people some context, Eric, when you when you talk about the seven, and I hope you don't mind me calling you Eric, but we, we know each other almost 30 years, so it's just instinctual. Um, they, when you talk about the 7-5 precinct, without too much exaggeration, the hair, the little hair that I have on the back of my neck actually stands up because I remember when I first started in the office, the two precincts that stood out as being the worst of the worst were the 7-5 and the 8-8. And the 8-8 is what, Eric? Uh, Brownsville? Well, the 7-3 is Brownsville. Uh, the 8-8 now would be more like Clinton Hill, I guess, Fort Greene. Yeah, it was there. Those those were not, you know, that was the blue zone. That was the real bad, the the real bad area. So just to give folks an idea where this district attorney grew up, you know, it, it wasn't really the the safest place to grow up. And you worked for about 18 years under district attorney Hines. Almost 19, almost 19 okay. years under, under Mr. Hines. And, you know, I'm going to talk to you about that in a moment, but. How has prosecuting changed in general from 1995 when you started to almost, you know, you're, you're, you could see the end of 30 years uh, somewhere down the pipe? You know, what's the biggest differences that you've seen? Because of all the prosecutors in the city of New York, you have by far the most experience. And I tell it to people all the time. You have been in the trenches for almost 30 years. You know the penal law inside and out. And that's why it's such a pleasure dealing with you and your office, because you really know, unlike some other DAs who shall remain nameless, you know, you really know how the system works. But I would, I'm curious, because I know I have my answers, but what do you see as the biggest differences between 1995 and 2022? Well, we're in a different place uh, as a city. You know, it's much safer. We have substantially less crime. Although we, we feel the crime that we have very dramatically because it's been on the rise for the last several years, um, but we're, we're in a different place. In 1995, um, and quite frankly, when I applied to the district attorney's office in 1994, my community had over 120 people who were shot and killed just in my precinct. Um, so wow. we, were in, we were in a totally different place. You know, at the end of 2019, we had reduced shootings to about 290 people being shot. I had 126 people murdered in my precinct. So 
that's allowed us to change our strategies in enforcement. Um, in the past, I think it was more scattered. Like, you know, we were the, the idea was to try to disrupt um, all crime at once and really, you know, restore order. Uh, we don't need to do that as much today. Today, we can really focus on the people who are causing crime. And it's very consistent with what the police department is doing um, their so-called precision policing model. The idea is we now know who's driving the crime and if we're very smart and we use common sense, we can defeat them before they hurt anyone else. Beautiful. We're going to take a really quick break and when we come back with District Attorney Eric Gonzalez, the number one DA in the five boroughs. The Empire State, the Empire State Building, uh, what better name for a bank than the Empire State Bank? The Empire State Bank, which specializes in providing innovative financial solutions, personal service, and industry expertise to run and grow your business. And because they know many attorneys happen to listen to the Author Idola Power Hour, they have designed Attorney Advantage Banking. What is that? It's a specialized banking program to meet the challenges of law firms. Empire State Bank's IOLA escrow account management is built for attorneys and law firms with the fiduciary responsibility of managing clients' funds. You have one master checking account with unlimited sub-accounts for each client, allowing you to keep funds separate from your own, which is obligatory under the ethics laws. You can allocate account interest, generate reports, disperse funds, generate year-end tax preparation, and your funds are safe. You know why? Because Empire State Bank provides FDIC insurance greater than $250,000. Open an IOLA checking account and take your law firm to the next level with Attorney Advantage Banking exclusively at Empire State Bank with locations in Brooklyn, Staten Island, and Queens. Call Empire State Bank today at 833-393-7700 or visit ESBNA.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Holland Christian Home is a Christian home for seniors, a place that will treat your loved one with kindness and respect. Located in North Haledon, New Jersey, Holland Christian Home is filled with fun activities, delicious meals, medical care, and more. Founded more than 125 years ago, Holland Christian Home provides the physical, social, and financial needs to care for seniors. Go to hchnj.org or call Charlotte at 973-807-3245. Call Holland Christian Home to discuss how they can care for your aging loved one with residential living a permanent life care program and respite care you'll have peace of mind that your mom or dad aunt or uncle friends and loved ones are in a warm and loving community daily chapel services are included hchnj.com or call 973-807-3245 holland christian home will care for your aging loved one with kindness and respect hchnj.org or 973-807-3245 holland christian home ask for charlotte Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, Mitsubishi Motors sees the automotive industry differently. Mitsubishi challenges convention with innovative approaches in the way Mitsubishi engineers and builds their vehicles. Just look at the all-new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander, now in stock in all trim levels and all with the flexibility of third-row seating. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today. FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732 863 
News, opinion, passion. This is AM 970, The Answer. 36 degrees, we have clear skies on this Friday evening. What's going on? We have the answer. NYU is warning its students and employees about a streak of recent attacks on Asian students. According to the university's head of campus security, four students were attacked east of Washington Square Park. In his alert, he posted a video link of the suspect in custody who allegedly attacked seven Asian women this past Sunday. He says likely some, if not all, of the attacks are connected. A suspended Babylon High School coach is being arraigned on charges of raping a 15-year-old student. Timothy Harrison is accused of having sex with a former student in 2013 when he was 38 years old. Harrison, who is now 46 years old and lives in Oak Beach, was arrested yesterday. He did post bail and is expected back in court on April 18th. And gas prices are definitely on the way up more than a week into the war into Ukraine. According to GasBuddy.com, the average price for a gallon of regular has now hit $4 in New York State. New Jersey gas prices almost up there, $3.88 for a gallon of regular. And some experts predict the price will hit 5 bucks a gallon in some cities over the next few weeks. Taking a look at the traffic across the Hudson. If you're going back to New Jersey, the Holland's still about a 30 to 40 minute delay, and that might get worse, getting reports of a broken down car inside that tube back to Jersey. Inbound about 15 to 20 minutes. 20 to 30 minutes outbound to Lincoln, 15 to 20 on the inbound side. George Washington Bridge, that's a pretty good ride. In New Jersey, we're looking at some big delays on the Turnpike Western Spur on the southbound side. From 16W down to 15E, southbound Eastern Spur delays start north of 16E and take us right down to 15W. And the parkway slow both ways from 138 up towards exit 145. Partly cloudy tonight, low 32. Cloudy tomorrow, high 48. Cloudy on Sunday with showers likely in the afternoon with a high of 67. And rain likely Monday, high 58. And now you know what's going on. I am Mike Barker on AM 970, The Answer. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. So District Attorney Eric Gonzalez is on the line. Do you believe you have any idea how much money I had to talk to them? I had to pay them to call me the preeminent trial attorney in the city of New York. I mean, <laughs> yeah. well, you know, I, 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 I guess I, I learned how to try a case or two. And, you know, I learned how to try a case or two in the same place under the same regime that, that you did in the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office. Of course, you were there uh, 15 uh, years longer than I was as a uh, under Joe Hines. Um, to get a tiny little bit personal, District Attorney Gonzalez, uh, and, and a topic that's a little personal to me, um, you know, District Attorney Joe Hines' uh, legacy uh, is not what it, in my opinion, and many people who I know you know and respect, in their opinion, what it should be. Um, and I don't want to talk about why that is, but what I would like to discuss with you, because you were someone who I know for a fact, because he told me, uh, Joe Hines was very... Uh, he thought very highly of you. He was, I was the one who called him to tell him that you were uh, appointed the acting district attorney when district attorney Thompson was ill. And I can tell you, he was very pleased to hear that. Uh, you were very loyal to uh, Joe Hines when he was the district attorney. I just want to know, I want to know two questions, actually. One of them, Judge Cammons asked me to ask you. 
What would you say the lessons, this is the Judge Cameron's question, what would you say the lessons you learned as a young prosecutor from District Attorney Hines and his supervisors during that period of time that has helped you now be the District Attorney? And then I would like you to just tell us a little bit about if you were being interviewed by the New York Times, which you had a beautiful piece that I hope your whole family is so proud of and your children will, will cherish forever in the New York Times this weekend, if that reporter asked you, what should Charles Joe Hines' legacy be as the Brooklyn District Attorney? Let's answer the first, let's go with the first question first of what, what did you learn those almost 19 years working for Joe Hines? It's, it's a great question. And like you, Arthur, um, there was a series of very um, distinguished and, and capable and really great lawyers who worked in this office. And, you know, I'd learned a lot about um, how to appreciate and size up a worth of a case, um, what, what cases and how you can successfully manage them and prosecute them and win at, at, in court. Uh, but I also learned a lot about fundamental fairness, um, you know, uh, going right into your second piece of that question, Joe Hines was a reformer um, when he entered into office. And when I got here, um, this office had started to do zone prosecutions, uh, really going towards transparency that people would understand who's responsible for making decisions in their neighborhood. Uh, but I think his legacy is uh, more than that. It's going to be the work that he did to uh, give people a sense of fairness, uh, second chances, rehabilitation. And I'm talking very specifically about the creation, and really the first of its kind, drug courts, mental health courts, um, and then finally his real commitment to domestic violence. The first family justice center in New York City is co-located within my office uh, because Joe Hines demanded that that center get built in this office. Such a you know care and concern to end domestic violence, uh, but also to give people a second chance, people who suffered from addiction and mental illness. Do you, do you happen to remember, District Attorney Gonzalez, who the first judge was in the domestic violence court? It's a very large, uh, handsome, bold man who then went on to the appellate division, second department, and now he works for a very prestigious law firm in Manhattan. You know, I, I remember that man, uh, just, uh, Justice Leventhal. There you go. As he's standing here listening, and he wants to make sure that the that the. And I, by the way, Mr. Gonzalez, I have the whole your whole fan club is in my office. Again, when I do this show, Eric, I'm very transparent. So I have Imran is to my left, Imran Ansari, who idolizes you, and I only really know him because of you, as you were his supervisor. Then I have so that's Imran Ansari. Then I have Lino Demasi, who's in front of me. I have Judge Leventhal and Judge Cammons and. Uh, it's a little uh, District Attorney Gonzalez fan club, and I'm, I am very proud to be a member of it. So, Eric, here's the final question. You know, district attorneys in New York, and I'm not going to put you on the spot regarding your, your colleagues, the other four colleagues, but, you know, uh, being a progressive DA, 
uh, has, you know, kind of come under assault, uh, especially in the last two months. And at the end of these two months, here comes this beautiful full page uh, article about you in the New York Times that is supported by the statistics of 2021, where crime is down uh, in, in almost all the major important categories in Brooklyn, New York. So tell us, you know, how did you how did you maneuver it? What was your why have you been successful and other uh, district attorneys seem to, at least in public opinion, not be garnering the success that uh, the New York Times attributes to you and your office? Well, I want to first say that I have a very fine office. I have a fine executive team, um, but I have really strong lawyers who have made it a decision to forego money. Some of those people, as you mentioned, are people in, you know, that now work in your law firm, but have served in this office, um, delaying or deferring the ability to buy a home, to pay off their student loans because they care about people. And so this office is victim-centered and focused. Um, I believe that you know reforms are necessary to our criminal justice system. No one can argue that the system works exactly the way it's supposed to be. But as district attorney, you know I've spent uh, my lifetime making sure that uh, I represent and tried my best to protect people in their communities. Everyone deserves to be safe. And so there's no problem that I think is too small for the district attorney's office to get involved in. And so a real focus on trying to reform the system in ways that it needs to be reformed, but also focusing in directly and speaking always about public safety. And really, ultimately, Arthur, I believe that if you uh, focus in on the right reforms, um, improving the, the lot of the justice system, you're actually going to improve the safety of the people that you serve. So I, I try to do both. Always so, Eric, we got time. two minutes left. I want to, I want you to brag just a little bit more, and I'm asking you to do so, they, about that article in the Times, because everyone's not going to read the whole thing, right? So, But there's an, an example of people who are shoplifting and going into a store owner's uh, place of business and stealing things and they were caught and you had a, a unique way of handling. Could you just tell the listeners how you handled that? Because let's face it, when you and I were in the office, when we were kids, those people would have just gone to jail. They would have, you know, they would have got handcuffs on them. They would have gone to jail. They would have gotten out in 10 days or 15 days for shoplifting and gone out and do it again. Tell us what you, and I just want to, I don't want to put you on the hook. The case that we're talking about, that one that they articulate in the times, tell the listeners what happened there. Yeah, well, the system is different now. Um, when we were young prosecutors, they would have been arrested and, and brought to arraignments and arraigned, and either a judge would have set bail on them or they would um, have pled not guilty, and the case would have proceeded to trial. Uh, today, the system is different, and so when a police officer on a case like that, a misdemeanor, makes an arrest, most of the time they don't even go to arraignments. They're just given a ticket for a future court date. And so we have to figure out different approaches to make sure that our small business owners um, feel that uh, their their concerns are met. And so in this particular case, um, there was a you know a pharmacy that uh, was continuously being hit by the same people, um, shoplifting, but really more than just shoplifting, it was retail theft, you know, organized retail theft. But they were using uh, people who were unhoused, um, homeless people to commit the crimes. Uh, so we had undercover police officers stake out the place. We arrested them when they committed the offenses, and we decided that we were going to do an immediate intervention into their lives, um, getting into 
you know, into treatment or, you know, dealing with mental health issues um, so that, you know, or dealing with their homelessness status so that we could try to prevent them from committing the crimes. Because otherwise what would happen is they wouldn't return to court more than likely and that store would feel um, that no one really cares about them. So this is what I mean, that no problem is too small. This is a shoplifting case, but, you know, I knew that I needed to have my office take a, a novel approach to try to solve the problems. And, and this is, and I do, I credit the, you know, 27 years that I've been an assistant DA or DA now um, for giving me the repertoire to respond to different problems. Well, listen, I, I, you know, my, I'll, I'll end where I began. My whole family is in Brooklyn from my almost 84 year old father to my three month old daughter. Uh, my, my a law office there in, in Diker Heights. So uh, not only am I rooting for you as your friend, but I am rooting for you as a citizen, as a constituent. And, uh, you know, I know your integrity, uh, your level of it is through the roof. Um, that's something that I kind of take a little personal when people talk about, you know, those couple of wrongful convictions that took place when you and I were doing 10,000 cases a year. Uh, and, oh, well, that office was all backwards back then you know and i know that it was not um and, and you just accredited credited those fine years that you had as being the fine district attorney that you have become so thank you eric from all of us to you i know you sacrificed time with your beautiful wife and your children your three boys um and so thank you for doing that and and uh, regards to your mom and uh, let's get a Kings County District Attorney's Alumni Association event to, uh, together sooner than later, because as you know, District Attorney Gonzalez, we are a special breed. Yeah, listen, we uh, all of us made a commitment uh, to help others, and so I'm more than game to get the old team together and and uh, just you know remember what we've done, and also to continue to make sure that we've mentored the next generation of prosecutors. It's a tough time with all the changes in the law and everything else that's happened to be a prosecutor. And sometimes I think uh, making sure that we uplift the work that people are trying to do to keep folks safe and to promote fairness is important. And so, yeah, let's get that moving. Uh, but I really want to salute the people who work at the Brooklyn DA's office for the hard work they do. Um, to make this the finest district attorney's office and ultimately to keep people in New York City, but in Brooklyn in particular, safe. Thank, Thank you, you District Attorney Gonzalez. You're the best. Be well, sir. Thank you, Arthur. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. The IRS is ramping up collection, and if you owe back taxes or have years of unfiled tax returns, listen carefully. Before it's too late, check your eligibility for the Fresh Start program still offered by the IRS to reduce or even eliminate your tax problems. Call our special hotline number now and find out in minutes if you qualify for these life-changing debt reduction programs. Business or personal, if you're in a payment plan with no end in sight, have unfiled tax returns under audit, have a wage or bank levy, or finally just want to know your options, call 
Call the experts at Republic Tax Relief and stop collections immediately. A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau with a five-star rating from Yelp, this veteran-owned company has the fight you need to take on the IRS. Don't go at it alone. Call their hotline number now, 800-639-7101. That's 800-639-7101. Find out if you qualify today. Call 800-639-7101 or go to republictaxrelief.com. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Tonight at 7 o'clock, it is, of course, Fun Friday edition. We've got a lot to talk about regarding movies and Broadway. You don't want to miss Christine Nicholas, Kevin McCullough. And you, 7 to 8 p.m. tonight here on AM 970, The Answer. People do some pretty cool things in their 40s and 50s, like go back to college, learn to skateboard. Okay, maybe that one's not for everybody, but saving for retirement is. At aceyourretirement.org, you can get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. Just have a free three-minute chat with the friendly digital retirement coach, Avo, and receive personalized tips to help boost your savings. Start chatting with Avo today at aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Like AM 970, The Answer? Then don't forget to like us on Facebook. Interact with us. Share your thoughts about your favorite shows. Give feedback to our hosts. Share your opinion on hot topics. Learn about events and more. AM970TheAnswer.com Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. Songs like this in 68 degree weather on March 5th, 6th, taking down the Christmas lights outside. Yep, I will admit it. The Christmas lights are still up. But I'm going to give myself a little, and I'm going to thank Eric Gonzalez, the district attorney, in a second. But uh, I did have a daughter, as everyone knows, Ariana. So this year I decorated my house in all pink Christmas lights for Christmas. Um, and then instead of like putting red poinsettias and white poinsettias, I put white and pink poinsettias. So I kept them all up and, and I lit up my whole house for Valentine's Day. So the whole neighborhood thinks like I'm some Valentine's Day nut because I had the same lights up for Christmas, but they didn't realize it was the same lights for Valentine's Day. So anyway, I hope you all have something fun and, you know, uh, is taking down the Christmas lights fun? Not necessarily, but I'll do it with Luca. I have one of those Sonos move things so you can take the music anywhere you want. We'll play some cool tunes. We'll Wrap everything up, put it in a box, and then I'll have to make the big decision next year. Do you do pink again or you, for your daughter? Or you start, Arthur likes blue. We'll see what happens. These are the biggest problems I should have this weekend as I prepare for this homicide trial that starts next week. But, you know, we just had, and, and you know, it's funny, and it shows you this is the best part of the criminal justice system. We just spoke to District Attorney Eric Gonzalez from Brooklyn. I am starting a homicide case with my partner, Mike Jacarino against his office uh, on, on Tuesday. Um, and you know, he'll have his professional DAs there and Mike and I will be the consummate professionals. Um, I, I, I'm assuming we're going to be in front of an excellent judge. The judge we're in front of now is excellent. We may get shipped out, but the fact that 
the district attorney and the defense attorney can have such a uh, professional and personal uh, relationship speaks volumes to America and our system. Uh, although crime is down in Brooklyn, there are still areas of the city where things are, are not looking as good. And uh, for a little bit of an update, I brought in one of my newer uh, partners here in the law firm. Well, he's not really a partner. I don't want to get in trouble for saying that. <laughs> but uh, he's like a partner in crime. <laughs> you could have given me a little something there, Sam Bellino. Um Thank you. But he's someone who did work directly for Eric Gonzalez, the district attorney now, when, the, when he was merely a bureau chief, I believe, right? Lino, you worked when he was the bureau chief or when he was? When he was the bureau chief and then when he was uh, chief of staff. All right. So, Lino, tell me what's going on in the world of people throwing poop on each other here right. in New York City. Right. So taking the headlines these days has been the quote-unquote poop smear. Um, he's been in the paper a lot. They've identified him as uh, an individual named Frank Abraqua, 37-year-old man. He's had 44 arrests in his career. Uh, they were kind of outlining, uh, you know, they were trying to explain why, uh, after all this, he's still back out on the street. So he took, what, human feces and put it on a woman and put it in her hair? Is that basically no, what? Uh, yeah, his own. His, his own. own. Okay, so he's clearly um, out of his mind. And these are total strangers, right? He didn't know the person he was doing correct, this to. So it wasn't correct. like a revenge thing for like having sex with his own brother or something N- like that. No, no, no. Okay. And talk to me because obviously you spent a lot of time in the courthouse. You were in the district attorney's office for six years. Um, talk about the bail situation because you were kind of educating me that the judge actually could have set bail. Is that correct? Right. What so, we do that real quick. Okay, so prior to this uh, subway poop smearing incident. Um, He was actually out on two prior assault cases. Now there were misdemeanor assaults and under the new bail, on the new bail laws, the misdemeanor assault charges are not bail eligible. So he was out on his own recognizance. Um, So when it came to the point when he was arrested for the quote unquote poop smearing, um, it actually triggered a uh, clause in these new bail laws that actually allowed a judge to look at his prior arrests in order to, uh, or, or rather, set bail on the prior arrest, because while he was at liberty on those, he committed another um, crime, uh, another crime, yeah, another arrest against arrest. an individual. However, in in that situation, the judge did not want to look at the prior arrest because there were only what's commonly known as hearsay. There were uh, information told to the police, um, and they were not. Yet, but verified. okay, but she could have. She could have. So, because I've been in courtrooms where judges say, "I want to set bail, but I can't set bail." She chose not to set bail. Correct. I am going to respectfully disagree with her decision in that particular case. How do you feel about it? I also disagree. Um, I mean, it's such a heinous crime, right? And I know what she's saying. It's not a. He did not get arrested for something where a police officer saw him commit an act. It's a, another civilian is saying he did this to me. Correct. Right. But as a prosecutor five minutes ago, don't you think the 44 prior arrests would, if you were a judge, kind of lean you in the direction of setting some sort of bail? 100%. And even more frustrating, after he was arrested on this incident in the Bronx, he was actually identified for a crime that had happened in Brooklyn back in September. And so, but he wa- he's not at liberty now, correct? No, he is at liberty. Go ahead. What ended up happening is he gets arrested in the Brooklyn case, but the problem with that was is that it preceded all these arrests. So he, they couldn't actually set bail because 
the crime right. had preceded right. all of the this. Judge, the judge can only do something after the fact, not before Correct. the Correct. Well, you know, these are the wacky, the, the wacky aspects of the criminal justice system. Lino, thank you for a little update on that. It's a disgusting crime for all of us New Yorkers who ride the subway. Um, and look, we just got to keep fighting the good fight. The, the, we, Eric Adams has been in, what, eight, nine, ten weeks. We just have to give him some more time to keep working it, keep hitting the streets. We have to keep supporting, uh, you know, the, the district attorneys who are doing the right things and the judges who are doing the right things. And for those district attorneys and those judges who are listening right now, at, almost at 7 o'clock on a Friday, think about what you could do when you get home with Padre Lou's Friday libation suggestion. Now, I cannot partake because I am sacrificing for uh, my, for the greater good from alcohol, abstaining from alcohol. But have you ever heard of a Rob Roy? Yes, a Rob Roy. It is for those who really enjoy the taste of scotch. And it's very simple, folks. Go get your nice glass. You can either put one big fat ice cube in there, some crushed ice. The ice is really a prefer pre, a personal preference. The bigger the cube, the slower it melts. The smaller the cube or crushed ice, the faster it melts. So it dilutes it. Maybe you want it diluted. Maybe you don't. You put in two parts scotch and then one part sweet vermouth. When I am adding anything to my scotch and I'm not having it neat or just on the rocks, um, I don't use any kind of high end. I challenge people to do a blind taste test, even between Johnny Walker Red and Johnny Walker Black. And, oh, no, I, I can hear right now. I can hear my friends. Oh, I'll know the difference. Okay, you may know the difference, but let's see which one you actually prefer. Because when I did it with myself, I chose Johnny Walker Red, which is the less expensive brand than Johnny Walker Black, which I've drank many times. So you take the ice, the scotch, the sweet vermouth. If you want to go with a high-end sweet vermouth, you go with the Carpano Antica, a couple of dashes of the orange bitters, Shake, stir, and remember, Padre lose three S's. Sip, savor, and swallow. Um, I've been planning some shows for April because, um, you know, we need some, some room, some runway room. We're going to do a show from Mitsubishi in Platinum, Platinum Mitsubishi in Freehold live. Um, we're going to do one from my, my uh, Manhattan haberdasher, uh, Zoe Ray, not to be confused with my Brooklyn haberdasher, Gentleman's Quarters, and we'll do some giveaways there. And um, we're going to have some great guests lined up. I will definitely be around on Monday because my trial is not supposed to start until Tuesday. Um, and the challenge for the weekend is find three people over the weekend and give them a very legitimate and sincere compliment. And since everyone seems to like to call in and they want to talk, call calling in, maybe on Monday we can open up the phone lines and you can tell me who you complimented and what compliment you gave that person. Have a safe, healthy, holy weekend. We'll see you on Monday. The preceding program sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.